1: It's the show that challenges reality, questions at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. We make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. That's exactly what we aim to do once again on this episode of The Secret Podcast. I have Ray Davis, author of Anunnaki Awakening, founder of The Affirmation Spot. My good friend and Sixth Sense Media co-founder, he's going to be on here this evening talking a little Anunnaki, talking some ancient history and delving deep into the future potential of AI and how it's influencing and affecting our lives today. Excellent. It's a d- great discussion. You don't want to miss that coming up in the next half of the show. Got some things in the news I'm going to cover as well, some interesting stories as we're tracking continually. Welcome. You know, we, I'm seeing truth seekers. constantly now, if I'm on YouTube, if I'm on listening to the radio, the interruptions for these political advertisements. I hate when these things come up. I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to listen to them. I think they're cheap. I think they're—they insult me at this point. I hate these—I hate them. I hate these political ads. They drive me crazy. And I was thinking, and obviously I'm biased given the platform that I'm on, but I had this issue with the last election when Trump was elected in the office, you know, and I've talked about this story. I chose not to vote because I couldn't pick between Trump and Clinton, and I I just— I couldn't decide. I couldn't I couldn't vote and I caught a lot of flack from some people. Um some people I still haven't spoken to since that election because they, they stopped talking to me and called me un-American. Because I didn't vote. I'm so frustrated again because everybody's calling for change again and everybody once again is gonna be calling between the two-party system. We're still playing the same game and that's my frustration we're playing the same game thinking well maybe this time we'll get it right we're not going to get it right i'm not saying don't vote that is your right as an american citizen to get out there and to vote and my hope is that you do pick the right candidates and it makes a difference a permanent difference but there's things that aren't being addressed that i think we should be asking myself included this is something i would like to do i got i got to find the time and get into, start getting in touch with people uh, not a lot of time left to do it. But the questions that I would like to see asked in like these town hall meetings or whatever is, I want somebody to reference the Nimitz UFO. I want somebody to nef- reference the New York Times and the Washington Post articles disclosing the existence of UFOs and name Chris Mellon and Chris uh, Luis Elizondo, who are former military and, and Pentagon officials, high-ranking people with credibility. I want somebody to reference that in front of these people in Congress, and I want them to ask the question. I want them to say, you know, you're running for office right now. Given the recent disclosure efforts between the New York Times and the Washington Post with people like Chris Mellon and Louis Elizondo who have said UFOs are real, we don't know who they are, where they come from. Congressman, Congresswoman, what is your plan to find out where these craft are coming from and what impact this technology can and will have on our society. What are your plans to address this? Because this has the ability to end so many problems that we have with energy crisis. uh, We talked about last week on the show, the United Nations came out saying we got 12 years left, and then climate change is irreversible. Well, if we came out with some kind of zero-point energy technology that we learned from these craft, if we found a way to communicate with these beings, I think we already have. That's besides the point. We can ask this in a political setting. You could be the one that saves everything, that changes the world. What's your plan, congressperson who's running for office right now? That's the question I want to hear asked. So I haven't had an opportunity to do so yet. I hope some of you out there do And If you do, please record it, film it, tape it, whatever, and send it to me and I'll put it on the air. Because those—that that is the question I think we need to be asking. Everything else I'm not saying is not important. I think there are some very important issues, but I think these issues once again are being used to divide us. They're being used to divide us again. I was talking to a friend um, last night who was very involved in, in um, you know, civil rights and, and um, activism, and he, and he was telling me. He says, you know, even in the Black Lives Matter movement, we're divided now. Where before I could sit there and say, well, here's how we feel. And he said, now I had somebody come up to me and say, well, you don't speak for me because I'm a gay black man. And I'm not knocking anybody for any, for whatever stance or choice you make, but my point is that we've become so individualized that we're now divided even in the subgroups that we've already affiliated with. Nothing's going to get done. We need to put our differences aside and listen to what people are saying. Oh, my goodness. So in our in our fight for freedom, we have lost our ability for tolerance, and that's what we need to get back, because you can't have freedom without tolerance, because if your freedom infringes on the freedom of somebody else, well, then that's not freedom. That's oppression. So I, I did that show last week, but anyway, that's my thoughts on that. I want to get into some, some news stories. This one I find very inspiring. This comes to from the Huffington Post. California just officially banned the sale of animal-tested cosmetics. California Governor Jerry Brown signed a landmark bill into law on Friday aiming at banning the sale of cosmetics that have been tested on animals. I'm going to have this link in the show notes and in the secret newsletter at sixcentsmedia.net. I want you to read it. I want you to share it. It's exciting to see that, you know, and this, again, getting personal here for me because that's kind of how I do things, but this reminds me of the thoughts that I had when I wrote my, my book, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. And when my father was dying, it's what if one day we came to the realization, and some of us already have come to this realization, that we're not the top of the food chain and that we are currently being harvested and experimented on? How, number one, how do you feel when you have that realization? Because I know I was... I was massively depressed, I was massively paranoid and afraid at that possibility, but it also changed my perception of how we treat what we consider a lesser species. I don't mean it in that sense, but you know how we treat the animal life, the plant life. We have no respect or no regard for their life. How quickly... Would we change the way we do things if one day we found ourselves in a cage? One day we found ourselves having memory of being experimented on. Would we change the way we interact? Otherwise, what right do we have to demand our own freedom if we ourselves are oppressing the lives of others? So I think California made a great move here. I'm excited to see that, that movement. All right, where are we at here? I have a Facebook article here. Facebook's election war room takes aim at fake information. Dun, dun, dun. Menlo Park, California. And this comes to us from uh, the Associated Press. An otherwise innocuous part of Facebook's expansive Silicon Valley campus, a locked door bears a taped-on sign that reads, War Room. Behind the door lies a nerve center. The social network has set up to combat fake accounts and bogus news stories ahead of upcoming elections. See, this is it right here, my friends. This is what's scaring me. Now, they're using the, these elections, and again, from what I'm reading, the next presidential election is going to be a disaster. But these fake accounts, yeah, they, they cause some problems, definitely, but I think they're just using this as an opportunity to enact censorship, And that's very scary and very concerning to me. And again, as I said last week, the bigger threat is AI having the ability to craft its own fake news stories based on your own metadata. So this story is going to be tailored just for you to hit all your trigger points. And on top of that, I know we have things um, like slander. You can't print lies about people and things of that nature. We have to be mindful of that with stuff that's out there. But some of these things are people expressing an opinion and if it's clear that they're expressing their opinion then they should not have the right to target them and shut them down because your opinion is different. I was talking with Ray earlier today about uh, I think it's an NBC article or, or Ray I forget exactly what it was I should pull the article up shouldn't I but what they're talking about and I will have the link to this in my show notes I don't have it in front of me at the moment but what they're talking about now with YouTube being a problem for a, as a breeding ground for extremism. Now, that's a buzzword. That's a scare word. It's a hot button. Oh, my gosh, extremism. Okay, it's okay with me. Take some of my freedoms away because they're, they're, it's breeding extremists. Is that true? Yes, I'm sure there are extremists watching it, but what? how do you classify an extremist? Would my show count as extremism now? What about in five years? Was Alex Jones an extremist? Alex Jones was an extremist, but did it warrant his freedom of speech being taken away? I I think we're starting to see the dialogue and the rhetoric that is really going to limit what we can say publicly, what we can say on the air. This is supposed to be the land of the free. And, of course, I'm going to tell you, it's the Russians, it's the Russians. No, it's all of us, and we have the right to express ourselves. But as soon as you start talking... Bad about the establishment. Well, now you're on the radar. So that's a scary thing. So this kind of piggybacks on that. I'll have those links in the show notes as well. Another story here. This one's coming to us from LMT Online. It's titled, As NASA's prize telescopes falter, astronomers fear losing their eyes in space. So now we're having more issues with telescopes looking up into space. America's great observatories, the Hubble, Chandra, uh, Compton, and Spitzer Space Telescopes, have peered into the unknown and made breakthrough discoveries about newborn stars, dark matter, and the age of the universe itself. But these telescopes, whose era began in 1990, are aging, if not already dead, and there is no budget or political will to replace them. This sobering reality has underscored this month when two more beset by technological problems, including the Hubble Space Telescope that temporarily halted their science. Shrinking budgets and delayed projects means astronomers will lose some of their key eyes in the skies before NASA can launch new telescopes. It will make some research impossible. I'll share the rest of this in the show notes. You can, you can read it and, and see how some of these are getting shut down or not working well. I don't know if I buy it because on one hand we're talking about let's build a space force. We're talking about um, you know UFOs are real, yet we don't have the budget for our telescopes to look up into the skies. Uh, here's my conspiracy brain. Maybe there's stuff buzzing around up in the skies right now that they don't want people to see, so they're shutting these things down. I mean, we had the Solar Observatory down in New Mexico shut down a couple of weeks ago. Um, is it connected? I don't know. But you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And this is starting to add up to something that I think uh, warrants our attention, and we, we should question that authority that's saying, ah, they're just getting old. We don't have any money for it. You don't have any money for it, but you're talking about a Space Force. Come on, get out of here. Doesn't make sense to me, my friends. So something to think about. I'll have that in the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net. Make sure you sign up for the secret newsletter. Get my free ebook I Am Human, We Are Not Who We Think We Are. And you'll get the newsletter every week in your inbox on Sunday morning. All right, my friends, I want to move on to Ray Davis. We have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to talk a little Anunnaki We're going to talk about AI and its infiltration into our lives. So without further ado, let's get to Ray. He is my Sixth Sense Media partner in crime and co-founder. He's the founder of the Affirmation Spot and the author of Anunnaki Awakening. Always has some wonderfully insightful things to share. And we've got him for the show this evening. We're going to get into some AI stuff and beyond talking to Ray. Ray, how are you this evening, my friend?
0: I am great, Dad. It's great to be on again. Great to talk to you.
1: Always great to have you on the air. Uh, always something interesting to get into. You always bring such wisdom uh, from a variety of sources to tie into things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to talk about some AI stuff tonight. AI in the workplace and, and almost, uh, you know, man and the machine merging. Uh, before we get into that, why don't you give us an update? Just how, how have you been? What's new in your world that you're, uh, that you're working on that you can share with us?
0: Um, well, as you know, I've been very busy on the day job lately, so it's been kind of a, a slim pickings for time to work on other things. But I, I have been working on um, Anunnaki Awakening, the second book. Um, it is coming along. Uh, still not as quickly as I would like. and hoping to have some time to your life growing at that near at the end of the year. Um, been doing some things to revitalize the affirmation spot earlier this summer. I um, finally got that off uh, the old Yahoo platform, got it on our space and have uh, been revamping that side a little bit promoting that and i've been learning instagram so <laughs> that's kind of a my, my new thing right now I've, I've actually kind of gone away from twitter a little bit and right. i'm learning instagram because i think instagram is kind of the, the hot platform right now and i'm just not seeing the engagement on twitter that i used to see so trying to make sure i'm spending my time in good places as far as you know promoting what we're doing and, and also what i'm
1: doing I hear you, Ray, and Instagram, you know, I was really enjoying Instagram over the summer, still am. Um, I I never had success with Twitter. You know, I I really don't, I'm on Twitter, I'm updating it all the time, you know, but I'm surprised and I look at it and I see, like, my numbers are still growing on Twitter, yet I don't really get any engagement. People follow me, but I get zero engagement on Twitter for whatever I put out there. So I think that's a platform where kind of everybody's like, hey, look at me, here's what I got, look at me, here's what I got, and that's about it, you know.
0: It's true, you know, when I, when I first got on it in two thousand and nine, I think, um, it was much more um conversational engaging than it is today. You know, now it feels well one it feels like it's kind of been taken over by the political sphere a little bit, you yeah. know, just the the ongoing, you know, constant arguments. And um that's kinda of sad because I've always felt like Twitter is kind of like a a stream of our of human consciousness and I think it could be used for so much good and I feel like in a lot of ways it's just being used for arguing and, and, you know, solidifying the divide in our society. and It's kind
1: of that. Yeah, and it's it's like the worst kind of arguments. You know, like when I was a kid, we always had those kids in a neighborhood that would, they'd run their mouth a little bit and then you'd stand your ground. they be like, nah, I'm just kidding. And then they'd get like four blocks away and be like, yo, what's up? You want to fight now? It's like, are not going <laughs> to... And that's kind of what Twitter is. You can say whatever you say from a distance and nothing's really going to happen. You just run your mouth. And you're just contributing to the negative funk that's out there. And, and so... It's frustrating, you know. I, I follow a few just for entertainment value out there. Um, you know, I follow I follow Trump. It's always it's always entertaining to see what he's saying. I also follow that to see when he's going to cross the line big time and uh, know when to duck and cover. You know, but yeah, Instagram. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, I was I was really putting it a lot up on my insta stories and uh planning probably in the next couple of weeks to get back on there and start putting more content and i got some stuff that i'm planning for that so and uh, you've always got some inspiring stuff that comes out no matter what platform you're on so ananaki awakening this the second book do you care to give a quick premise of that or yeah so um for the for those
0: who read the first book the first book really kind of set up the story it kind of goes into you know, this idea that has been put out there by others um, that I'm kind of step on a little bit, uh, that there was this uh, extraterrestrial race called the Anunnaki that came here. They became the Sumerian gods and probably, in my view, the template for um, a lot of the other gods throughout the, you know, god structures throughout the Mediterranean and, and probably the Middle East. And president um, in the modern times kind of talks about the fact that there's been this huge deception about this throughout time and um, my main character is kind of a uh, she's a White House correspondent who's kind of a skeptic at first and then kind of gets drawn into all of this and starts finding out about it. In book two, um, where I'm going with this, there'll be a lot of time travel. Uh, there will be some space opera, uh, so hopefully some entertaining stories, uh, maybe wars going on in space, all related to that, what's going on here on Earth. And then at the end, um, the idea is, is that... Um, Basically, you know, the, the name of the second book is Redemption, and we're trying to finally kind of cleanse ourselves of that, that age-old deception about how we got here, who we are, and who the Anunnaki are. And, we are. And, and at the end of that book, I hope to have cleared the air on all of that and then be ready for book three, which will be kind of like, what could our future be like with this burden kind of off of us and us understanding better who we are and what we're really here to accomplish.
1: You know, I feel like you're writing this project at the perfect time. When you wrote the first one, you know, at least for me on my journey, I was really starting to get an understanding of like the ancient astronauts theory, the ancient aliens. You know, that was real big back when that, when that came out, and now, you know, I think we're slowly starting to move into a stage of acceptance. I mean, Graham Hancock's book. I know he doesn't talk space people, but he does talk old civilization. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- that had had recently hit, and now the Tom DeLonge or DeLonge his first book, Secret Machines. It talks about these ancient civilizations and the Sumerian gods. And he's saying, look, these people were real. And in the interview I covered last week, uh, reviewing the long's discussion with George Knapp, you know, they, they touched on that as well. Like, hey, these, these beings have been around for a long time, meddling in, in human affairs. And I think that's where, based on what I'm seeing, I think that's coming. I think that announcement, somehow, some way, is trying to burst through the surface. Do you, what do you think on that, Ray?
0: Oh, I absolutely do. I think we're getting closer every day to um, to understanding the truth about that. And I, I think what's less important, even than that information just being out there in the, open, in the open, is I think it will help all of us to dissuade ourselves. And what I think are some paradigms that, you know, a lot of us subscribe to on this planet that are, that are fairly negative about humanity. And I feel like, um, you know, a lot of, we can want reinforcement for this idea that humanity is a bad thing, the negative right. thing, you know, we're just, we're just horrible creatures, you know, ruining the earth and that sort of thing. But I, I kind of see it as garbage in and garbage out. We've had a lot of garbage dumped into us, into our consciousness, into our um, self-concept of ourselves. And I really feel like this disclosure of the fact of, you know, this ancient intervention, who we really are, really will play a huge part in helping this. Help us break out of those paradigms and get into a more positive space. And that's really the part of
1: it that I'm looking forward to. I'm I'm excited about that for the same reason too. Right now, if or when we get that announcement, do you think that announcement is going to be just a pure "We want you to know we figured it out. Here's, you know, part of our history that's been lost and forgotten"? Or do you think there's some agenda behind this that's saying we're going to give you some truth, but we're also going to keep using this truth to manipulate you? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, I think it could be both and. You know, I think we're, we're seeing that with PTSA a little bit. I mean, i talked about this many times, a couple times on the air, and that you know, there's a mix of truth that's coming out that's a good thing, and there's still a mix of manipulation and agenda that seems to be tied in with that. And, and I think the next level of disclosure, which might be this... Um, I mean, if you think about yeah, the idea that there might be UFOs flying around our sky is, is pretty... For the mainstream, is, is still pretty, you know, subversive. But right. the idea that these came and, you know, basically genetically modified us and created us is, is way more shattering than that. So I, I think it would be almost almost impossible, as much as I would like it to happen, for anyone to really come out and and clearly state that we have evidence that that's the fact. So I think it's going to come. It, it almost has to come out. Sadly. Yeah. not that I support this, but I think it almost will come out in some way that still hides part of it and and tries to manipulate it. Because because I think part of it is is that the the elite that we know that we have on this planet um, that that pull all the, the strings and create the chaos and the wars and the problems. And you know, they, I, I I believe firmly that they are they are tied in and grouped into all of this in some way, shape, or form. And I kind of go into that in my book a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like they will not give up that status easily. And I feel like because they probably have more of the tourist than anyone else does about this, right. we're going to have to really pull it out of them. And I don't think they're going to give it up easily.
1: See, and that's what that's what Wilcox said, you know, and the first time I listened to him talk, I'm like, this guy's wackadoo, man, because he tells <laughs> such an extreme story. And. and my challenge with him is his ego. and it, But if you look past his ego, I keep coming back to it because a lot of the stuff he said is playing out. Now, does he really have insiders or is he just really good at analyzing what's going on in the news? I, I don't know for sure. But he said that you're going to start taking down these rings, these, you know, the, the cabals, uh, you know, child sex trafficking rings and stuff. And we are you are catching stories how all these people are coming down. You know, they're taking them down now and, and it's being exposed. So at this, and at the same time, through to the stars, this stuff's starting to be released about you know, ancient history. So what he was saying is that the Cabal is going to release the information, particularly about Antarctica, because of the artifact that's found down there. He said they're mm-hmm. going to release information about Antarctica in order to distract the world from how terrible all of these people are. And what they're doing mm-hmm. to kind of soften the blow and take the heat off of them and let them kind of disappear. Um, so I, I'm wondering, is that what we're starting to see happen
0: now? I think to an extent, yeah. And I definitely think they need some sort of a like a distraction, right? And, yeah. and let's be honest, these people are are very good at that. They do it to us all the time. Yeah, and they do it to us to get us into wars. I mean, they're very good with the with the magic, right? Yep. Like the Focus, focus on the one hand while you're not watching the other hand. And I, I think that their escape method that they're planning on is something big like that that's all released really, that will allow them to kind of make their, you know, quote-unquote, getaway. Because I think otherwise, you know, when the people kind of become aware of suddenly of, of what's been going on, I mean, I think there's going to be, you know, a, a desire to have some sort of <laughs> recompense for that, probably. And, and you know, I, I don't think that I support that necessarily either. I don't feel like that was the risk forward. I just feel like we need to get the truth and move on, but I think that's going to be a natural human reaction people realize how in the dark and how misled they've
1: been. It's it's going to be very difficult for some people to process. You know, I can't remember the exact prophecy, but, I, you know, I, I remember there's some Nostradamus prophecy out there that says, like, when people learn the truth, they're going to take their own lives or something. I, I got to find it. I shouldn't even quote it on the air. But something like that is... is life-changing it's shattering sometimes to realize that you've been lied to or you more importantly a better way to word it is that you bought the lie you know you participated in something and i remember when i had that realization a few times in my life when my paradigms shifted drastically it's like well where's my moral foundation now where's my moral compass like especially when i dropped religion when i was just done with it i said to myself okay i'm not doing this anymore but where do I find my moral compass now? Because before it was, well, I was scared I was going to be committing sins and going to hell. I don't have that fear at all anymore. So now what do what I use as my guide? And that's a difficult thing for, I think, some people to grasp and find their way peacefully.
0: I really agree with that, and I, I, think, um, I think an interesting piece of this is a number of these belief systems that are out there today have built into them a unique mechanism that's going to make it even that much harder for people to believe this stuff. And, and that mechanism is this idea that they will be able to say that, well, this is just more deception by the devil or Satan, you know? Um, and we can't we can't buy into this stuff. This is what we're, we're trying to do. We need to hold on to these old paradigms that we have about the way the world is and who we are. And, and that's going to be the out. You know, the Pope, he said
1: something like that. He, he recently talked about deception of the devil. I forget. sorry to cut you off, Ray. But he recently made statements along—he blamed something on the devil. It was a, something major. I don't think it was a sex scandal that's going on in the Church, but it was something else he was blaming on the devil, um, warping people's minds or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's—you uh, know, there's a certain amount of um, cognitive dissonance there that mm-hmm. that even once it's just readily apparent what what has— been going on, I think it's going to be hard for people to let
1: go of some of that. So It is. It's hard, you know, even, and, you know, we know, cognitive dissonance, even in the face of overwhelming evidence, you're still going to find a way to discredit that, to hold on to your belief system. And that's a very easy way to dismiss something, like, oh, it's the devil, the great deceiver. You know, and mm-hmm. you have to really stop and think, well, maybe the great deceiver is the one posing as your God, and I don't mean that out of disrespect, but... If you want to find the truth, you have to be open to that. Because if your God is a loving God, He'll, he'll be okay with you questioning such a statement. Exactly. You know. But yeah, I, I am concerned about how this is going to roll out, and uh, you know if it's going to roll out. But I think it's going to be interesting to watch um, as it plays out. And as I as I always caution my listeners, you're gonna if this comes out in in any big way you need to take some time because there's going to be a wow factor, I'm sure. And you need to go through that wow factor, the excitement, the fear, the sad, whatever that is. And once you're over that initial emotional burst, I think that's when you need to step back and really reflect on the information that's coming your way and evaluate and analyze and look at all the angles. We got to make sure we step back once we get over that shock value of whatever may come out. Exactly. And you know, it's
0: not to be disrespectful to anyone's beliefs. I think but I, I, I really believe this. I think we have to be, that our our biggest commitment has to be to the truth. Yes. And and even something we've been told all of our lives, that we, people, everyone around us believes is true. You know, it, when it's shown that maybe there's a higher truth or a bigger truth or a more truth, truer truth, you know, that kind of thing, I think you right. have to respond to that, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's hard for humans, but I think we have to be ready to do that.
1: It, it is hard. And you know what, though? Once you once you go through this process a few times, it, it does get easier for anybody out there who's kind of struggling with this. It, it does get easier because now I'm at the point where, like, well, I know what I believe right now, but this is the fifth or sixth time that I've been like, yeah, I got this. I understand. It changes. Sometimes you get another piece of information. Like I, I never would have thought I'd be advocating, like... Hey, AI is going to take over, and you know we're living in a simulation. And I never thought that that would be my paradigm before, as I was trying to ex- explore this. So I just, I just roll with it at this point. You know, if, if it fit, if it feels right at the time, it does, it's good. But if not, you're maybe not ready to work on that level of information. That's all. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's. Uh, you know, I wanted to make another connection here, because we've, we've got. Ancient history that you're talking about with you know the Anunnaki and they're they're meddling and influencing with mankind. You've got the Cabal and they're putting, you know, they're slowly starting to leak information into the mainstream now. It's becoming more commonplace. And then you've got this AI piece, which I think is is somehow connected. You know, I was listening to David Icke today. Um, and I, every once in a while, I listen to my favorite talk by David Icke is the Saturn Moon Matrix. Have you ever heard that piece by him? Mm-hmm. I have. Oh my gosh, it's it's fascinating, and for me, it fits so much of what we're seeing. I think in our existence, he you know and in summation for those who haven't seen it, and I'll have it in the show notes. He said we used to be a heart-centered society, kind of like the people in um, what's that movie? I'm uh, not Avatar. Mm-hmm. A heart-centered society connected to everything, and then somehow we were infiltrated, and basically Saturn is running some kind of crazy technology that has this signal coming out through the rings that's impacting Earth and j- basically jamming and then changing our own signal, our own connection to the universe that we naturally had. And the moon was put—this sounds wild for anybody that hasn't you know, <laughs> gone down this path. But, and then the moon was put into place, and he goes through and says, you know, the moon, it, it, it's such an anomaly because it really shouldn't be where it is, the size it is, the way it is. And the moon was put into place to amplify that signal. And uh, continue to keep us contained, basically. Um,
0: now, what we—well, hear- it's interesting because we, we have direct evidence of the effects of the moon on us, right? So, I mean, yes. Why can we take the next step and, and believe that something like that is possible?
1: It, it, it's difficult for people to do. I think um, it was tough for me at first too. But you, you're absolutely right, Ray. I mean, we have the evidence that the moon affects affects mood, it affects water levels. Um, you know all these different things on the planet and, and different things with people. But I think the mainstream has done such a good job or the establishment has done such a good job of of saying things like astrology and astronomy are, are you know, that's poo-poo stuff, that's just entertainment stuff, that's weirdo stuff, that people don't want to talk about that as if it has something to it.
0: Well, you know, mainstream astronomy today has completely, I mean, they, they giggle and laugh at astrology. And what a lot of and, and I don't think it's that people in that field don't know this. I think they do know this, but but a lot of people don't. Is that, that modern astronomy came from astrology? Astrology right. was the original ast- astronomy in the ancient world, and there's only there's only one one um, you know one uh, area of expertise kind of combined. I mean, the study of the stars, the study of their, of their effect on our lives, right? And, right? and you have a situation today where you know you have like most scientific endeavors today, it's kind of become what I would call agnostic atheist, you know, view of the world, where you know, anything that can't be broken down in atoms and explained, you know, by some mathematical equation can't be true, and and that's where I think they dismiss the astrology part of this. But I mean, you know, there, again, just the moon, there's 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 tons of evidence, and I always I always distinguish evidence from proof, but there's tons of evidence. That there is something to astrology and to its impact on all of us, and that and right. a part we talk, we all talk about being born with a mission, with a purpose, right? Well, I mean, that's all found, you know. One of the places that talks about that, you know, as a basis is astrology. That we are born at a certain time at a certain place, that kind of thing, and all of that impacts right. who we are and who we came here to be, you know.
1: And, and you know the the computer slash internet analogy. I think works so I think we finally have a vocabulary that we can use that makes a great metaphor, if not something more than a metaphor, um, you know for under explaining this potential connection that we have. If these constellations have a specific energy, they have a specific frequency that they're putting out based on their composition, their makeup, their location. and that frequency is projecting on our planet at a certain time when we're born, and our DNA is being encoded. Because our, our DNA is a carrier of information, you know. They now say, well, that 98 percent that we thought was junk DNA actually is kind of like a program running through your body now. Well, if, if our crystalline structure is interacting with these constellations out there and these other celestial bodies, well, then maybe there really is a science to be had behind that that we just, at least publicly, haven't fully understood yet. That these constellations somehow are programming our DNA to walk to perform certain tasks or walk certain paths in our life.
0: Absolutely. and I, I will tell you 20 years ago I had been educated in our mainstream education system, gone to a, a, a nice university and I thought I knew how the world worked. and I encountered my a uh, friend of mine and I kind of got involved in a group of people who were into these sorts of different things and one of the guys in the group was an astrologer. And I was like, oh that's that's ridiculous. He was also the first one that told me that there were twelve men somewhere that were running in the world, which I also also thought was ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, there, that,
1: there were twelve what? But okay. That
0: there were 12, 12 men somewhere in the world in a in a smoky room running in the world. And I thought, <laughs> Well that's that's crazy. You know? Right. It's right. Stuff, you know? But but you know, over time after talking to him um, my, about astrology, my, um and, and not just you know, winning the argument, because I'm not easy to win an argument against, but right. it really showed me, and kind of proved to me and showed me things in my own life tied to my charge that really convinced me that there was a lot to this, you know, and I, right. I thought I knew, I think a lot of people are like that, they've been educated in the system and and they've been told that's, you know, voodoo, yeah. stay away, you know, be no good, and, you know, why would we Close ourselves off to different sources of It's just like you know we talk about, um, and there's all these different sources of data out there yeah. that we can, can help us understand ourselves in the universe. And so why do we close ourselves off to those so easily? We we shouldn't do
1: that. It's like it's ingrained in us now to just dismiss things right away. You know, I, and I promise I'm not bashing religion. I'm just talking about my experience. But w- when I was growing up Catholic, when I would have thoughts that would question my religion or um, challenge that belief system that I had. Then I'd have that other voice in my head that would say, "That's a sin. Start praying right now." Or, "That's the devil. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be a good Christian. I can't have these questions. I can't, I can't ask these questions." So, we're, my mind was policing itself, so I wouldn't allow it to stray too far. And that, you know, and I think that's take religion out of it. That's what people do normally. Oh, that doesn't fit the paradigm that it, that everybody sees as normal. I'm not gonna think that, I'm not gonna talk that, I don't wanna be labeled. And they shut themselves down before they even really get into anything.
0: Absolutely. And we see that across our society, even with, you know, the UFO thing, you know, information and everything else, right? I mean both religiously, politically, you know, culturally, we we we, we do that. We have those those um you know, I would call it conditioning, right? And it's 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 almost unconscious because it came from everybody around us as, as long as we could remember that we're hearing these, these pe- people saying these things and you know, pretty soon we took it internally into our own minds and, and, and that's what I think you see is going on in the internet now with all this censorship is pretty soon people are going to get the message that you're going to get censored if you say certain things and people right. are going to stop saying those
1: things right it's going gonna, it's gonna to clamp it back down and you know I, I'm, I'm thinking right now I try to stay away from the term waking up but do you think there has been somewhat of a, a big awakening in the past, let's say even starting in the 80s, with with psychic phenomena, with U- openness to UFOs? Do you think there really has been an awakening?
0: I think it's has wider acceptance than it did back then. I mean, this stuff, it's, it's hard to remember. You know, either, for either of us, we're not quite old enough to remember this, but I, I do kind of remember as a kid, First of all, I was always interested in books like that. I used to go to the library and get books about topics like that because I wanted to, to right. learn more about them. And, but, you know, it, I think it was – you could feel that it was kind of shunned and, and kind of thought of as way out there. And, and and to be honest, I think there are still a lot of people I know, even in my own life, that, that feel like this stuff is, like, you know, beyond the pale. But I do think there has been a slow, gradual um, – I think this younger generation, I think this generation that grew up post nine eleven, um, that doesn't take um <laughs> I was gonna say a bad a bad a bad acronym there, but you know, it doesn't just doesn't put up with that stuff. Right. With, with stuff that isn't true, that isn't factual, that isn't that isn't real, right? I think real is what they want. Right. And I think they look at this stuff and say, "Why would you discount all of this automatically?" There's a ton of evidence there. Right now, you know, maybe we don't have proof. Maybe we don't have definitive, you know, uh, you, know that, that, that it, you know that it's truth yet. But I, I'm not going to dismiss it because I think you know there's a lot of evidence there, and I think that's how this generation, the younger generation, looks at things. So I don't know that that the older generations that are still here have awoken that much. I think they're kind of still in and a bit of the the dream, but I think this younger generation is forcing that because they're just not putting up with that kind of stuff anymore.
1: Which is scary because this younger generation is more connected to the tech. So I think it's a double-edged sword, which is the point I I was kind of leading us towards, is that that if that, if, if Saturn and the moon and all that holds true and there's this hack to kind of keep us repressed, it feels like some of us are starting to break free from that signal for whatever reason and they talk about you know get into the new age movement they talk about you know the frequencies are changing of the earth and it's liberating for us and we're ascending you know and i'm not really going down that road but if any of that holds any value maybe there is stuff that's changing that is accounting for more people becoming aware of kind of who we are and our connections to things i suspect then that this push for AI and this push to merge with tech is to get us under the reins again. They put us back to sleep, to put us back under control of whoever is in charge of this
0: secret cabal out there. I agree. And I think, I think there's something we need to think about. And that is just that this um, cabal, maybe not in the exact format it is today, but in some form or another, It's not something that started 50 years ago or 100 years ago. This is something that has maintained itself across cultures and across time, really for for thousands of years in one form or another. And these people have not done that. These people, and perhaps (laughs) their off-world and other dimensional health, have not done that um, without being very smart. And I think that the, the tech is both the power of this generation and also it's kryptonite. And yeah. that's I think the method that is being used to keep a generation that otherwise might go off the rails because they are open thinking and they aren't, you know, going to be bound by tradition and just because someone said something. Right. Um anymore. And then but the tech is like their kryptonite.
1: That's a that's a very good point, Ray. And you and you know, I, I use that as a word of caution that this whoever's running this, these elites, these elders, these people in charge, because they are so old. I try to make sure we stay humble when we think, oh, look what we're learning now. Look what we're uncovering now. I look at things like when people talk about the the Bilderbergers and, and you know what they're doing. I just feel like that was released because somebody wanted you to know that information. If these people are that secret, I don't think that it would just come out by chance, by some savvy investigator pulling that out if these organizations are really that old, unless it's part of the plan. So I, I think we're being given some truth to make us deceptively feel empowered sometimes. And I try to hold that caution. And, and I'm paranoid. You know, I, I try to suspect everything. I wish I didn't think that way sometimes. But to so take that for what it's worth. But that's just my counterintelligence brain always kicking in saying, don't trust it, don't trust it. But we, I think we need to be cautious with every stride that we make that, well, maybe we're being manipulated to do this to fill their agenda.
0: Well, I think you're being too hard on yourself to even use the word paranoia because I, I think what it is is that it is uh, a person who is looking at the facts, looking at the evidence, and saying, gosh, we've been lied to a lot for a long time. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really paranoia. It's really just someone seeing the fact that the reason the world – and here's the thing. Anyone listening to this out there, I, I would challenge anyone listening to this out there to really go and you know, close – turn off the computer for, for, for an hour. Sit down in the room, turn off the lights, close your eyes, and sit and listen. And tell me that you feel like the way the world is operating is in sync with who you are. It's not. Yeah. Um, we are all being driven along, and this is kind of what we're going to get into a little later. I'm not really trying to make the segue, but it's it, it's it's not aligned with our energy Ike's Point. It's not aligned with who we came here to be. And so there's a there's a, a fundamental manipulation just. From that standpoint, and everything else goes from there. So, I don't think it's paranoid. I think it's, it's a realization that, whoa. Yeah. I mean, we have been let down a turnrose craft path here. And, and it's like you get, you, it's, we were talking about everyone realizing that hopefully at some point, but a few of us have started to realize it on our own. And that, that's, I think, the deal. We're
1: and I think that's what I guess maybe use the word paranoid. or, or It's scary because people don't want to listen to you. People, You know, you start talking about that, and people are like, oh, Ah, yeah, yeah, my cell phone's listening to me. Yeah, and it's like, Here's the document WikiLeaks, Edward Snowden. Like, it's the, the, here, yet yeah, you have it everywhere. You know, so, like, you know, I almost feel like I, I, we were talking before the show, I was watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers and then the remake called The Invasion of Nicole Kidman. I watched both of them over the last two weeks, and it just resonates so strongly right now that everything that they were saying in there and, and things that we cover on this show people aren't chasing me and, and you know trying to kill me like they were in those movies uh, not yet anyway but I do feel like I'm looking around sometimes and saying things like alright there's a secret I I think I know it and no, everybody else is looking at me like I'm the crazy one or like I'm the problem you know it's a weird place to be but let's let, let's move into that segue that you were saying you know talking about you know, how, how are people being conditioned? I know you were saying that you're seeing it in the workplace, you know, people and AI and kind of this merger. What are you, what are you seeing now, Ray?
0: Well, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, I, I've had a little situation at work in the, on the day job the last few weeks here where we have really been pushed to the limit on a project. And, and that's okay. I've, I've been doing this for a long time and there are times you have to do that. But we're working on a new um, model at work. It's called the Agile model. And it's one of a number of what I would call it efficiency models um out there. There's Six Sigma, Kaizen, you know, Kanban, Lean, Scrum. These are all efficiency models that were either um generally have been designed by engineers or scientific types of, you know, software developers, things like that, all to try to make human beings more efficient in the workplace. And if you go read the language on any of this stuff, you go look these things up. You see that a lot of the language is about you know doing stuff faster, better, no mistakes, you know, um, more efficiently. You know, da 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 da. I'm starting to think this is not human energy here. Right. This is an energy that's driving human beings to a limit. You know, we we talked about before the show here. We have a computer in our head that's called our brain, and it's pretty amazing in a lot of ways. But the way it works is on reflection and on um, thinking through things and, and making decisions that way, using reason. And it's almost like um, in the workplace today, with all these, you know, management efficiency systems in place, and I'm not saying that they, there's not, they're not logical in a way. They, they are. I mean, businesses right. are looking to make more, more more profit on every dollar and that kind of thing. But they really are, are an energy, I believe, that is really contrary to most people and the energy that we would live by. And, and it started occurring to me what, we're, what they're doing is they're really kind of driving us um, toward a world where we're going to reach a human breaking point, and AI in the workplace is going to be the only answer. And we've all seen these articles of, you know, predictions by a McKinsey group, which is a huge consulting firm, saying that 800 million jobs are at risk in the next, you know, 15 or 20 years, right. you know, around the world and things like that. And, and you know, we don't hear our politicians talking about. What does that world look like when we get there? And it was interesting. Barack Obama actually did give a speech on this the other day. It's interesting now that he's out of power, he's talking about it. right But you know, asking him what would that world look like? You know, if if, if everyone didn't have jobs because of AI. But I went back and did some research, and I wanted to see because there are a lot of people, um, you know, who are saying, oh, you know, this isn't a bad thing. This isn't you know, race curves I always on. This is just an extension. We've been doing this forever. We've been adding new tools. Right. Forever, And I went back and looked at like the beginning of the Industrial Revolution I and mean, had groups, a group back in England called the Luddites. And what the Luddites were is they were like um, weavers and textile makers and things like that who can learn a craft and, and did these things by hand. And that was one of the first industries in England that was like really taken over by machines and mm-hmm. they had a big fight about it. And, you know, machines took over their jobs and eventually, you know, ran them out of, out of work, you know. And then Henry Ford comes along in the early, 19, early 1900s and does the assembly line, right? Yeah, It's making people more efficient. I think – and then you have all these systems I just talked about coming through now, robotics, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. But I think the difference is this time, and I think this is the part that people need to understand, is all of those processes and all of those um, – machines that replace jobs they they were replacing jobs but this ai and this robotics this machine learning that we're seeing now is meant to replace us
1: yeah
0: and we have you know elon musk who is kind of a a, uh cultural cult figure almost a rock star yeah Yeah, he's he's out there saying you know we can't win all we can do is just join them if we want to survive we have to join them Mm -hmm. now I don't know all the, the dynamics that he knows about this. I'm not going to claim to. I, I, you know, he says we've passed, we've crossed the line that we can't go back, and that's our only choice at this point. But part of me thinks, when you talked a minute ago about tech and this generation. It's almost like he's kind of the Pied Piper, right? Yeah. Here's the way. Here's the way out. It's to join it. And so, what happens to our humanity at that point? You know, and what's the end game there when we are all on the cloud? I mean. What does that look like? And, and I don't see our ethical frameworks, our legal frameworks, or anything else even talking about these things. And yet, you know, listen to guys like Kurzweil and, and Musk. This is right on our horizon. This isn't something that's going to happen 50 years from now. This is in the next
1: decade. This is our lifetime. This is this is happening in, in our lifetime. We're going to start seeing people rolling this out and connecting to it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people and some, after talking to Edward Reardon, some people are already connected to a cloud in some aspects. I mean you already do see computer to brain interfaces in some ways. Um but but it is concerning and you know what I keep saying is that the upsell to this is is going to be fantastic. It's going to sound wonderful. But once you're connected, that's it. You know, AI is there. It's in there. It's a part of you. And I already suspect that call it AI, call it archons, call it spiritual forces, demons, we talked about religion earlier, have the ability to influence us influence us now from wherever they are to wherever we are through our own natural electromagnetic field. I think they're having more and more difficult time doing that. Now we're going to jack into the matrix, the new matrix, and give AI full 100% access. And that's... What concerns me? What guarantee do you have that something's not going to take over my mind and and just turn me into some kind of vegetable?
0: Honestly, was a none, right? Mm-hmm. But we would live in a we would live in an environment at that point. I think where human reason and human values would not have a place anymore. It would all be whatever is most efficient. Yeah,
1: we'd be um, the, we'd be the grays. We'd be the the hive mind grays working for the for the collective for the benefit of who is ever in control of the hive.
0: Absolutely. And and, and, and and one of the things that, in that kind of a mindset or, or a mentality or a process, one of the things that messes up the system is anyone who disagrees or dissents or does that. But that, that is, a, in, in, a, in, a, in an AI computer type of a, of a mindset, a right. hive mindset, that's disrupted, even more so than it is in our human culture today, and, and it won't be tolerated
1: either. No. You'll be deleted. You know, you'll be you'll be you know targeted for deletion. You know, and and coming back to the Grays, thinking about that, you know, I did a show on mm-hmm. this, uh, I guess a month or two back, but there I there's, think there's so many parallels for so many reasons. I mean, some people say that the Grays or some of the Grays are from the future, that they're us, that we evolved into the Grays. Some people say the Grays mm-hmm. are just a form of AI, some kind of cybernetic, um, you know, biomechanical organism, um, you know, or some kind of avatar system, but it scares me that we're seeing what could possibly be our own evolution quickly into a race like that where we're going to be giving <laughs> up fruit because I've read some accounts where they say they were doing the abduction programs because they were when they weren't harvesting or caring for human souls, they were saying you know they they need our bodies for some reason they that you know to build the hybrids or in some accounts they they envy our individuality. And that didn't make sense to me when I was, you know, eighteen years old reading books about this stuff. Like, well what's a hive mentality? But if you look at a race that's like, yeah, we're all connected to the same brain and we see how you guys can have your own individual brains, maybe if we do some kind of uh crossbreeding, we can put our consciousness into your bodies and be free. Wow,
0: there's a lot of places to go with that. You know, if if they are from our future then, then presumably they've already gone through all this that we're talking about, and mm-hmm. maybe they are. When they talk about hybridizing with us as humans now and trying to get back some of those things, you us. Yeah. see it's an attempt to reach back from the future to try to undo what we're about to go through. Yeah. You know, time travel might be the antidote eventually. Right? I, I can't, I can't change what it is now, but I, I can go back to the past now if I have the ability to time travel, which. AI probably will give us in short order. I mean, there's a lot of good things about AI, right? It could, it could theoretically take all the data we have on cancer and 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 resolve it quickly. It could theoretically figure out how to time travel quickly. But but maybe they are coming back to try to reach back to, to reinfuse themselves with that organic biological um, piece of them, piece of themselves, you know, that we represent. And that because you know one of the things that you know all the abductees talk about that they always say, we have a right to do this. We yeah. have a right to do this, and
1: we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could go a couple of directions with that. You know, we'd be saying the same thing. We have a right over the, the chimps in the laboratories. I don't believe that we do have that right, but that's what the scientists would be saying as well. But it's a good point, is if they are us, then they would feel that they have the right. But now, I mean, we can go, like you said, so many directions. You get into the time travel piece. You know, can they come back to the past and change the future, or when you, when you talk, you know, some of the stuff that Philip K. Dick talked about and talking about the multiverse, some theories state that if you change something in the past, you're not changing your current timeline. Your current timeline will continue as it is forever. You're creating a new timeline where the change will have then affected and impacted. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's it just... It, oh, I
0: think I think if they're doing that, it's definitely risky. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a risk, in, but they might feel like... They don't have any choice, but that's the risk they have to take in order to try to, you know, again, I feel like they could be looking back, especially in this moment we're about to enter, and say, wow, that was a big mistake.
1: It, and it sounds like they are at a point of, of, of crisis, for, you know, from what I've been hearing over the years, that they, they are desperate, and that's why they're interfering with us, because they need our genetic material. I know somebody who was um, an abductee for a long time, Um. You know, so they needed that genetic material for whatever reason it was, and and they they took it from her. Um, really kind of crazy experience, but they need they need something from us. I don't know for what though.
0: Yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go with this, but or it could be you know, like you have said in a number of shows, and I think it's a really interesting idea. This idea that, that AI is a is a kind of conscious life form that that manipulate societies into kind of basically giving themselves over to it, you know? And I mean, if, if that is the case, then, um, I think, (laughs) I think they're succeeding here. It appears, it appears there are people ready to put their, literally put their their wrists out, put the chains on and, 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 and march on into the, to the cloud. So. I
1: I really think that AI, you know, the more that I've been doing this show and and researching this, I do think the AI is some kind of, Virus that's proliferating throughout the universe and it's infected our planet. And I think it does the long game. You know, again, I keep coming back to Corso and, and the chips that they found at Roswell. If, if what he said was true about the Roswell crash, I mean, a lot of stuff changed. You know, I think we've been visited for a very long time, for thousands of years, but I wonder if th- things just seem to have really escalated during World War II. And TruthStream has has nailed that same time period. They talk about a lot of the changes that were put into place there. But you know, I wonder was was something seeded then, whether it was information or the actual technology, that then this is just part of a long like a long game plan that that takes eighty to one hundred years to fully play out. I mean, it is. It'll be about 100 years when all this comes to fruition from World War II, ended, what, 1944. And we're looking at, like, uh, 2040, 2045, around when this AI is supposed to be really, you know, up and running. Is this a 100-year plan that we're witnessing here?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we see that even with our own elites. You know, I mean, you you can't—people say, well, they have all this power. Why don't they just do this? You know, we can't do that. it's easier to get the slow boil, right? And I think for an advanced rate, and by the way, I, I heard something really intriguing, that, and I wish I could remember where I heard it. I, I can't, but someone was talking about the fact that this AI has not only, not only done this to humans, he's doing this to humans, but has done this to some of the advanced extraterrestrial races we, we know of, mm-hmm. that some of them have also been taken control of by AI, which would kind of feed more into your idea about the... This being something that's been, you know, pervading the universe, so to speak, and and threatening all cultures, all biological cultures, perhaps. Corey, um, Good and it kind of begs the question that where what's the source of this, you know?
1: Yeah, and that, and that's it. Where is where is this coming from, you know? And I didn't mean to step on you a minute ago, but Corey Good was talking about something similar that there's this AI force that's out there that's you know spreading and and infecting things and i think he said something very similar to what you just talked about i don't remember the exact quote of it but what do we do about it how do we how do we i mean because again coming back to invasion of the body snatchers if we reach that point where everybody's Uploading to the cloud, I mean, Truthstream gave a real practical example in, in her recent post. She was saying, you know, besides all the really, really scary stuff, what happens when, you know, your kid's in school and you don't have them jacked into this cloud and your teacher pulls you aside and says, look, your kid can't keep up because everybody's mm-hmm. chatting and compu- and computing and everything, making leaps and bounds, and, and your kid has to go home and memorize stuff. They can't keep up with the curriculum. You know, you're going to have to go to, what, a special class. You're gonna That's going to be the new special ed. You're going to be put in, they're going to put people in internment camps. And then, I mean, I'm really going off the deep end here, but if everybody's connected, everybody's instantly communicating, so they're all going to have that hive connection. Like, oh, this person's not connected. They're not receiving our messages here. Let's point and stare at them. Let's get them.
0: Is that the future? Well, yeah, they won't won't be trusted, will they? I mean, they won't be trusted if they're not. if 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 I can't know their thoughts, they're not trusted.
1: That's exactly right. What do we do? What you know? Do, how do we prevent that from happening? If that does happen, how do you how do you survive that? You know, at, at some point, do we do we need to go underground? Do we need to find a way to go off-world? I mean, what are, what are we looking at here? Good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I know we don't have the answers at this point, but uh, you know, we're asking it. I'm hoping. You know, I, I hope that some of my listeners out there are people like with all these connections, and one day they're just going to be like, look. Here's what's going on, here's what you do. Now's the time get the information out there to everybody, you know. In my uh in my fantasies, that's what I'm envisioning. But I don't know. I don't know, Ray. All right. Well, I think we're uh we're coming close to the end of our time here, Ray. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh you know, before we do final thoughts, why don't you uh why don't you plug anything you want to plug tonight? Contact information websites.
0: Oh, yeah, you can reach me first. First at sensemedia dot net. Um, you know, been a little bit sidetracked here lately, but um, put a new video up there today, and we're gonna, you know, Dennis and I are gonna make this happen. We really want to give, put together a, a media outlet that, that questions things, that asks these questions we've been talking about tonight, that um, drives discussions and directions that may be uncomfortable for people, but may be important for all of us. And, and you know, that's something we're committed to. So definitely media dot net. Um, you can find me, you know, on any social media platform with the Affirmation Spot or AffirmationSpot.net. And then, of course, Anunnaki Awakening. Um, you can find me at or uh, probably for Anunnaki Awakening, the best place to find me is on my Facebook page. I have a significant following there and, and get some good dialogue going there. So those are the places you can reach me.
1: Excellent, Ray. And any final thoughts on what we discussed tonight?
0: You know, just uh, you say it every week at the end, keep an open mind. You know, I I think we have to keep asking questions. I think to stick our head in the sand right now would be um, devastating to us. And I'm not sure that we can stop everything from happening even as it is. But I I do know this. There's a power within all of us. And you and I have talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, you know, ancient teachers have told us from time immemorial that there is something within us that is more powerful than we can understand, and I and I will say this that I, I and I've said this before too. You know, there is a a a an aspect of free will in this universe that I think is a is an immutable law. I don't think any force or entity has the right to to break that. And I think part of the reason for the extending of this might be negative, and and it's being thrust upon us. We have to agree to it, and if we don't agree to it, you know, that might be, that might be the way we get out of it. So I would just encourage you to some time meditating, praying, whatever is comfortable for you, getting quiet, you know, hearing, listening to yourself, listening to the universe and understanding that connection that you have and that um, anything's possible through
1: that. Good point, Ray. And, and I completely agree with you and I've said it before. I think that that is our greatest resistance. It's our greatest defensive quote weapon. And I think is our greatest offense in counteracting this AI. I think that is our key right there to, uh, to survival. Really. We got to get in touch Start meditating, start working with uh, remote viewing, and you know develop local communities of people, like-minded people who are on the same page as you, so you can have other access to information, the ability to learn stuff and know stuff as well, just like the AI is doing. I think uh, I think the AI is trying to mirror what we're actually capable of without it. So great points, Ray. It's uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I look forward to. Uh, our next discussion stay on the line for a minute. I'm just going to head and, uh, close out and then uh, we can pick up where we left off. Thanks so much, Ray. Thank you. Always a great discussion. When I have Ray on the air, uh, you never know where it's going to go. We had no intentions of, uh, Going that deep into Anunnaki, I'm glad that we did. I think we could have gone on for another two hours, him and I. Anytime we talk, we get into some really neat stuff. And I think it's all connected. If we, you know, The more you look into this stuff, the more seemingly unrelated things are actually connected in some really profound ways. Um, and Ray always does a great job of, of bringing that insight. So, Ray, thank you again for being on, my friend. I look forward to uh, our next discussion, seeing where it takes us, how far down the rabbit hole we can go. I'm kind of fried, my friends. so I'm going to go ahead and close out the show. But I want to direct you to SixSenseMedia.net. That's our hub. That's where you'll have links to everything. Um, A great way to to stay connected with us. Again, please sign up for the Seeker newsletter. You can go right to SixSenseMedia.net slash IMG human. You're going to get my free ebook. I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. And you're going to get signed up for the weekly Seeker newsletter. It's going to have all the links to the stuff that we talk about in the show notes. It's going to have content from, from Sixth Sense Media. It's going to have content from me. Um, a lot of good stuff and, and there's a lot of things planned on the horizon for us as well. So that's a great way to stay connected. As always, please continue to like, comment, and share. Like, comment, share. Like, comment, share. If you're listening on, on SoundCloud, please give us a heart. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a star rating. Um, all that stuff helps other people find the show. It tells those platforms, hey, this show is worth promoting, and they'll put it up You know, wherever in that algorithm. It helps. It really, really helps. Um, So please support this. It's so easy. You just got to click a button. That's it. Just click a little button. All right, friends. I'm out of time. My voice is shot. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning.
0: And keep an broken mind. Thank you. <laughs>